I want us to look at Luke chapter 11. I'm going to finish up our series we began called Prayer Made Alive. And we have started our fasting and prayer. Today marks, this is actually, today is the second week, or tonight will be the completion of two weeks of fasting. Y'all still with us? Okay, so we got another week to go. If you hit and jump in, get now is the time to do it. Praise God. So someone said, well, what are you doing? It's whatever God puts in your heart to do somewhere where you're giving something up for the king. Um, fasting has to do with food. Some people can't give up food because they, uh, on certain medications, whatever, they need to be able to eat. Um, some people, diabetics, need to be able to eat, and that's understandable. So, um, uh, and by, by the way, we're believing God for you to be totally healed. But you don't need to go off the medication. Your body will reject it, and you'll go, oh, I don't need this anymore. So, But until then, yes, go ahead and had your meal. But some people are giving up uh, uh, their movies or their Netflix or their whatever they're doing, right? So they're sacrificing something. Um, my wife did seven full days of a fast, uh, the first seven days, and then uh, we're both going to do the last three days together uh, full on a fast. And so some people are doing sun up to sun down. Some people are in the Daniel fast. I think uh, Pito told me he was on the Daniel's fast. And he says he never ate so much vegetables in his entire life. Never knew how much he loved meat. So, anyways, so some of you on that as well. That's good. Uh, giving up a meal a day, whatever you can do for the king and taking that time to pray is really what we're looking for, what he's looking for, okay? So, we're believing God for things to happen during this time of year. All right, let's look at Luke chapter 11, verse number one. It says this. Now, and I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna to try to get through this tonight the best I can. I'm going to do some teaching and bring out some word here, and let's just make some comments as we go. Now, it came to pass, as he was praying, speaking about Jesus in a certain place, he, uh, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven. How I remember this prayer. If you've been Catholic at least once in your life, praise God, you know this prayer. Right? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we uh, also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, at this point in time, the disciples are following Jesus and they're noticing something unique about Jesus. He's not someone who just says something but he's somebody who says something and then gets results. They notice that every time Jesus prays or declares something, it comes to pass. So Jesus, without even mentioning how to do that, is just living his life as an example of one who prays and gets results. They're seeing this and they're saying, Lord, teach us to pray as you pray. And he says, pray this, this prayer. And it's a prayer that literally we could break down scripturally each one of those points. Our Father who art in heaven, that's a point. Hallowed be thy name. That's a point. But we don't have time to do that tonight. Maybe another time. But, but he's teaching the principle of prayer with his disciples and teaching them how to get results. How many knows it's time for us to start getting results? I want to get results. And this year, I believe, is going to be a year of manifestation. I'm not going to sit up here and say that, that we're going to get everything that we want. That's not what I'm saying. But I believe we're going to get what God wants us to have this year. And we're going to start stop moving out. out we're going to get out of this frustration place in our life and start seeing manifestation. Amen. So, um, so I've been, just so you know, meeting with the pastors and elders. Um, we just had our second meeting of prayer. And so we got Saturday night, we're going to meet together. Then next week we meet again, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then Saturday night, uh, during this fast. So, uh, we put together a 
declaration, um, a confession, if you will, that we're speaking over you, over your life, your children, your jobs, over our church. Aren't you glad we got a praying bunch of pastors and elders that believe in you and believe in this church? And so we're doing that because we want to see results this year. We know that the power behind what we do is not just in our ability because we're limited in our own ability. We need God's, we need his power. We need him to come through in areas where we can't come through for ourselves. That's why, that's why most Christians don't pray. Now, don't look at me like that tone of voice. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. What I'm trying to say is this, is that most Christians throw Hail Marys up at the beginning of the day, at the end of the night. Lord, help me. Lord, help this. Lord, fix the situation. I'm talking about spending time with God, okay? And then making bold, assertive declarations and prophetic, prophetic um, uh, decrees, okay? The truth is prayer is the foundation to a believer's life. Prayer takes the limits off of your life so you can get the results that the kingdom promises you you can have. Let me make this statement. If we're going to get the Jesus kind of results... We've got to get the tradition out of our prayer life. The mundane, boring, Hail Mary type of prayers, hoping that God's going to change something, hoping that God's going to hear our prayer and start getting bold and declarative and assertive and, and saying, God, your word says, and you're not a, a man that you should lie, and if you said it, you're going to do it according to what your word has to say about it. Amen. Getting the tradition out of our prayer life, right? So I remember when I was a kid, there was a prayer that went, that went on for, I don't know, I mean, obviously it was around before I got here on the earth, but that prayer was, um, 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 what was that prayer uh, when they'd say, um, uh, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul. They're trying to scare kids. If I die before I wake, Lord, I pray the Lord my, Lord, am I, am I going to die? That's how we, somebody told kids to pray, right? It was a tradition. We hand that prayer down to the next one, to the next one, to the next one, right? They grew up that way. Next generation grew up that way. Then we teach our kids the same prayer, right? Scaring kids half to death that they might die in their sleep. It's a tradition, and it has no power, especially when God promises us long life. We should be teaching our kids the word of God. Before you go to sleep, let's, promise, let's, let's speak God's promises. And one of them is, tonight your sleep will be peaceful. You're going to sleep in peace, and you are promised long life. Somebody say amen. Tradition is a killer. Tradition will take you out of God's best for your life. Um, uh, there was a story I told it before, and, and it, it, it was a tradition, but they didn't know it was. And so um, these, this couple this, uh, was fixing this uh, the, the traditional, you know, type of meal, and they were going to cook a ham. And so the mother and the daughter were in the kitchen together, adult daughter and adult mother, of course, and they're talking, and, and they would cut the ends of the ham off. And then they put it in a pan, and they would put it into the, the oven to cook. And they did this for years. And then one day, the daughter said, hey, Mom, I never have asked why, but why do we cut the ends of the ham off? I noticed that you did that your whole life, me growing up, and now I do it with my children, and, and, and I cut the ends of the hands off. And I don't even know why we do that. Why do we cut the ends of the ham off? She goes, well, I don't know. She said, let's call Big Mama. So they get Big Mama on the phone. 
Mom, why do we cut the ends of the ham off? She goes, what are you talking about, girl? She goes, we, you always cut the ends of the ham off before we cook it. We don't know why we do that. We've been doing that for generations. She goes, well, girl, she said, when you were little, we didn't have a lot of money. We just had a small pan. She said, the pan was so small, I had to cut the ends of the ham off so it would fit in the pan. They've been wasting good ham for 40 years. Come on, somebody. Because it didn't fit in the pan, right? It's a hand-me-down tradition. Most people don't even know why they're doing what they're doing. That's why it's good to challenge the things you've learned with what the Word of God has to say. Somebody say amen. Now, Matthew chapter 15, verse 1, and I'm a little loud, son. I know you're trying something different with my mic, but I'm pretty loud up here. Matthew chapter 15, verse 1, then the scribes and Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus saying, why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. He answered and said to them, why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? Jesus put it right back in their face. For God commanded, saying, honor your father and your mother, and he who curses his father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, whoever says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is a gift to God. Then he need not honor his father or mother. Thus, you have made the commandment of God of no effect. How? By your tradition. Hypocrites, Jesus said, well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, these people draw near to me with their mouth, and they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, and in vain they worship me, teaching his doctrine, principles, the kingdom, or the commandments of men. When he had called the multitude himself, he said to them, hear and understand, not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth, that defiles a man. Then his disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard the saying? But he answered and said, Every, this is heavy, this is heavy, every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. Man, as I was studying that, I've preached that so many times, but boy, it hit me so hard. There are some people that have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. They say they're Christians, but they don't live according to God's standards. And he said, I'll uproot that. That is heavy duty. Every plant that my father did not plant, he said, I don't care that they're offended is what he's saying. The truth still holds. It's still the truth. And if you don't live the truth, you're a hypocrite. Better than that, he even says, you're teaching the doctrines of men like they're the commandments of God. He said, therefore, your tradition is robbing you of power from God. Christians, I found out, and I love Christians. I am one, and, I, and I'm a believer, and I love to be around God's people. But I'll tell you what. Christians will excommunicate members over tradition. I've seen it. I've seen people come to this church from other churches, more traditional style churches, and their family members say, if you keep going over there, we won't have nothing to do with you. And they have to make a choice whether they come to this house of God or that house of God. Due to what? Their traditions. Because we, we say it's okay, we don't even say it, but we allow it, we don't care that women wear pants in our church. Or makeup in our church. Or have jewelry in our church. Or they cut their hair, my God, and color it too. Hallelujah. Right? Notice all the rules are on the women, but not on the men. And it's the men running. I'm just going to say it like where it is. I'm going to leave it right where it's at. Make it tough for them women. I'll tell you that. Right? 
So my point to you is this. What happens is, is that tradition will cause it, people to be separated because they choose the tradition thinking that's what God wants. And yet it's nowhere in the Bible. Tradition is a thief of power. Tradition robs our faith. And church, there are thousands of unbelieving prayers prayed on a daily basis. I want to look at James chapter 5, verse 16. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not pray. And it did not, it not rain, rather, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. I just mentioned a moment ago, people pray all the time, and their prayers are not prayers that are based in faith. They're based in emotion, based in fear, but not based in God's word. When our elders and pastors get together, everything we say is based on God's word. He backs his word. Elijah same nature. That's what it's saying here. Jesus said this. This is what the word of God says, rather. And he's saying that he's saying that that this Elijah, who was no better or any different than you and I, had power to control the weather. And you fighting your boss. And you're fighting your neighbors. And you got problems with what? A paying a bill. And he's saying you got to think a little bit further than that where he's been giving you power to even control weather. And don't tell me we don't have that power because we moved a whole snow front coming to this area 12 inches to about 2 inches. Come on, somebody. That ain't bad. That ain't bad. Some of y'all don't even believe me. You're just like, yeah, hey, whatever, preacher. This is, that was just, you know, whatever. You know, I don't know. But, you know, they just got it wrong. No, but we, they got it right. But we just changed the fact. Come on, somebody. So instead of praying about the bad weather heading your way when, it, when, they, when they talk about it and all you do is echo the news report, start speaking to the storm. And it's the same way with any bad report that comes your way. A, a, a health bad report comes your way. A financial bad report comes your way. Don't echo the report. Start speaking to it life. What do, you, what do you want to see? I wish I could get some people excited about God's word and how you can change your circumstances. God did not call you to be a thermometer, which merely reads the temperature outside. He called you to be a thermostat. So you know what the temperature is, and you can set it to wherever you want it to be. That's the kind of power and authority God has given you. The devil can, can actually cause a storm and use it against you, just like he did with Job, and a storm came and took out his family. you got to be able to stand flat-footed and say, devil, not today. You're not taking my family out. You're not taking me down. My finances are going to be strong. My health is strong. I want to hear some believing folks in the house. This is starting to feel like a Sunday crowd. I want I want a Thursday night crowd. That's the, when the real people come out to get real with God. Come on, somebody. I don't know what walked in here tonight, but y'all too quiet. What's the deal with y'all? You're hungry? Too bad. One more week. We can do it. I got reserves for you, praise God. I, I'll give you some of my reserves. Now, there are prayers that God will not hear. Did you know that? There's prayers God will not hear. 
Look at Luke chapter, or rather Psalm chapter 66, verse 18. If I regard iniquity, God says, watch this, or rather, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. If there's sin in my life, God says, not till you deal with this. What does my word say? James 4.1. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. The word amiss means out of line. It's out of alignment. You can't just pray any kind of emotional prayer and expect God to move, in particular when you're not dealing with the sin in your life. We've got to get things right. There's not one person in the room, including this preacher, that doesn't deal with sin on a day-to-day basis. Now, I don't believe we should be sin conscious. Do you know what I mean by that? What I mean by that is I thank God that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, I have access to God every day. But if I believe that I can just get away with my little sin and not confess that sin and try to right that wrong, I'm here to tell you the windows of heaven will begin to shut over my life and God will turn a deaf ear to me. And when I pray, it's like nothing's happening in my life. Have you ever thought the reason why things have not turned around and not getting the results that you'd like to get is because you're not dealt with the sin in your life? What do you mean? What sin? Don't tell me you don't know what sin he wants out of your life. You know it. You already know. My sheep know my voice and another they will not follow. Of course you know. It's not that you don't know. It's that we justify it. We think because so-and-so gets away with it, so should we. I've never had God ever say that to me. I'm going to let this one slide some because every, I get, they, get to, they get to get away with it. I never God has said that to me. He deals with me because he deals with me. And by the way, what's sin to me may not be sin to you. Some of y'all can have a drink of wine and you're just fine. One drink and you're fine. You're, gonna, you're done for the whole year. But some of y'all can't drink wine because you can't stop. Well, brother, so-and-so drank a glass of wine. I guess I can sip my little glass, too. Your problem is you don't know when enough is enough. Right? Am I right about this? So what's sin to them is not sin to you. What's sin to you is not sin to them. Obedience, the Bible says, is what God requires. And if you're obedient to God, no sin. But if you disobey God, you're in sin. So I'm not teaching petty sins. Don't do this, don't do that. That's between you and the Father, except if it's in that book, then, of course, we're going to align ourselves with that. But we ask amiss because we're in a place of sin. We're missing the mark with God, and it's unrepented. I would say just start saying, Lord, this year, I want to thank you that you've been kind to me and merciful to me, but I ask you to forgive me, and Holy Spirit, now, you teach me in all things, and your word says you're my teacher and you're my guide. Teach me what I need to know. And guide me through this issue until I get to the other side of the thing. You don't think God won't move heaven and earth for you? He loves you. He loves you. He's not going to throw you away, but you've got to admit it before you can what? Quit it. Amen, somebody. Isaiah 43, 25. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. 
and I will not remember your sins. But he said, put me in remembrance. Let us contend together. State your case that you may be what? Acquitted. You got to admit it before you can be what? Acquitted. So here's the deal. He said this. He said, I'll, I'll remove your transgression, your sin, your shame, away from you for my sake. I'll do it. But you got to put me in remembrance of what my word says about it. You got to put me in remembrance and state your case. Be real about it. Don't, who do you think you're going to fake out God? Have you ever thought about that? We get so weird with our prayer life as if God don't know what we've been thinking before we started praying. You know what I think? I think it's been a long time since most people have been real with themselves. They've been trying to fake themselves out. And God says, I'm looking at your behavior, baby. I'm looking at you. And so you've got to remind God of what he said. And here's what I will tell you. It's another message altogether. But confession brings possession. Confession brings possession. Whatever you speak, whatever out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, is what you will attain. You will hold. You will possess in your life. Amen? You confess your sin, you possess grace to forgive your sin. You make a confession about your, your promotion on your job or a new job or whatever it may be, and sooner or later you're going to possess that thing in your life. Hebrews 4.12 um, <clears throat> says this, For the word of God is living and powerful. So what do we speak? We contend with his word. We declare his word. Put in remembrance of his word. It's alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That's what the word of God is. you got to pray the word for the power and the results to show up. Why? Because you've got an enemy, and your enemy's always trying to come against you. And so you can't fight him with a real sword, right, like a, a one you could put in your natural hand, but the sword that you wield is actually the sword of the Spirit, which is in your mouth. So when you speak the Word of God, you are wielding your sword and attacking the devil back. I, I am not running from the devil this year. I'm not running. I'm standing flat-footed, foot. And I am going to look the devil in the eye and say, thus says the Lord. Jesus, tempted in the wilderness three times by the devil, didn't put him in a headlock and pop him in the face. He didn't do that. He said, it is written, it is written, it is written. He did what? He spoke the word of God, and the word of God defeated Satan. Somebody say amen. Let's give the Lord a shout of praise for his word. And his word is above his very name. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. Forever and ever. Matthew 6, 5. And when you pray, Jesus said, you should not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in synagogues. And they love praying in church, man. And on the corners of the streets. That they may be seen by men. Assure that I say to you, they have their reward. In other words, he's saying, don't act pious. Don't be filled with self-righteousness. Don't act like you're better than everybody else. Pray these long, sanctimonious prayers and got scripture memorized, but your life is a wreck. You got that hidden. Nobody really knows about that. But you look like you're something in the spirit. He just wants you to be real. Assuredly, I say to you, 
They have their reward, but you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, by the way, how many was here on Sunday? How many is ready to shut some doors in your life so God can open it? We learned that. So God can open a new door. I've been praying, saying, Lord, what is it? What doors do I need to shut this year so that you can open something new in my life that's, that's, that will bring reward? Because he said, I say to you, watch this. He said, pray to your father who is in the secret place. Once you shut your door. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Don't, don't ever think that your prayers are not powerful. Don't ever think that your prayers are bouncing off and ricocheting off the, the house, the, the, the ceiling of your house when you're at home. Don't ever think that they're not reaching to God and God's not listening. If your life is right and you say, Lord, forgive me of my sin, and you stand before God saying, Lord, I'm not perfect, but I'm your son or I'm your daughter, he's hearing your prayer. Amen. And then he said, he said I see and I hear in secret, but when I begin to reward you, everybody's going to know about it. Open reward is, is going to be coming in your life. I know that when I was getting ready, God had put in my heart back in 1997 to start a church, and, um, and I didn't know how to do any of that stuff. I didn't know what, what direction to go, and there was a lot of things that I, didn't, I, I needed to really begin to look at. But being that I didn't have all the answers and had nothing to begin anything with anyways, I knew one thing I had to do. I had to begin to pray. So I made up my mind I was going to get up early every morning. I had a little bit of woods behind our house, and I'd go in those, those woods every morning. I'd get before God, sometimes on my face, in the dirt, before the Lord, before even the sun came out, and I would begin to pray and say, Lord, I need your direction. Lord, I need, I'm feeling something. I, 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 I don't know even where to begin with this whole process. I'm going to tell you, it wasn't many months later he began to launch us. And out of that situation, a miracle arose, and we ended up here. About a year and a half later, about 18, 18 months to two months later, we ended up here as a result of that. God will shift your life in the right direction if you'll just begin to pray. A prayerless life is a life in sin. Because the Bible says if you know to do right and you don't do it to you, it is sin. Prayer is, is, is the only resource we have by which God can come on the scene. We, we can't, you can't, there's no other way you can do it. You can't buy it. You can't earn it. The only way you do it is by saying, Lord, I need you. And when you do that, it opens the door for God to come in, gives him the legal access into your life to begin to change things and begin to put in the proper network that you need. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 34. Did you know that heaven will fight for you, by the way? It'll fight for you. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us? You read that and you go right past it and not understand the power of it. Jesus makes intercession for you. Heaven is backing you. God wants you to succeed and win more than you do. Why don't you just smile at me for just a second? You know, if one message I want to get through more than anything this year is getting God's people to pray. I don't, this church, if we didn't preach another message for the next month, if we just came and prayed, I don't think God would even have a problem with all that. Why? Because we've had so much word. I thank God we got lots of word and rich word. But my house shall be called a house of prayer. He didn't say the word. He said prayer. 
Prayer is what will make the difference in your life. It will open that door. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 13 says this, And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Seeing then that, they, that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are. That's talking about Jesus. Yet without sin, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. When we pray, there is a reaction in heaven. Things shift in our, in our, in our direction. And some people say, well, I don't know what to pray. I'll tell you what, if you're in trouble, sometimes the most spiritual prayer you can pray to get started is, Lord, help me. That might be the, and you say, well, that's not the word. Yes, it is. That is absolutely the word of God. You can find it when Peter was sinking. And when he was sinking, he said, Lord, help me, I sink. So you might feel like you're sinking. And one of the spiritual prayers you need to pray, to get, get pray that you need to pray is to get God's attention by saying, Lord, help me. I can't do this on my own. I need your help. Matter of fact, what I say is say, Lord, help me in Jesus' name. Now give the Lord a shout that he's helping you. Yes, Lord. Come on. He wants to help. He's into this kind of stuff. One thing he's not into is when you won't let him into your world. Well, I told him he can come anytime he wants. No, 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 you don't get it. No, no, you need fresh manna every day. They went out there and they had to collect that manna every single day and they tried to store the manna up for the next day. It turned to worms. God said, no, you do something fresh every day. I want you to meet me. Let's gather together. Let's meet together. And when they ate it, it was sweet to them, and it caused their hunger pains to go away. Amen, somebody. It was fulfilling and satisfying to them. God says, that's what I want every single day from you. If you'll give that to me on a daily basis, I'll satisfy you. I'll fulfill you. I will sustain you. Come on. I'll keep you moving to the next place. That's what God promises us. Amen. Now, this may sound rudimentary, but prayer must come from earth. You say, well, uh, Pastor, duh, I know that. Well, do we, though? Because a lot of times we, we heard the saints pray for us. But the Bible doesn't say that. Now, the Bible does say there's a cloud of witnesses that cheer us on. But prayer doesn't come from heaven. Prayer comes from earth. See? So you can't have a saint or a mother or father's prayers in heaven help you out. It's the prayer, prayer that you pray. God uses us to pray through us or to speak or declare through us. All authority has been given to us, so we need to be yielded to the Holy Spirit in order to be effective. And I have found out we're not really yielded to the Holy Spirit if we're not praying every day. Amen. Even Muslims who we love, they'll pray. I don't know how many times. They pray a lot. Three, four times, five times a day. They face toward Mecca, and they pray, and they got a prayer rug, and they do right in the job, right in the office, and they, they do their deal and put the rug down. If they're in prison, put the rug down, and everybody praying. Excuse me, but to a dead God who's not alive. And we have the living God, and we can't pray more than three minutes a day? 
and then we wonder why we're not being effective and not having the results. I, I don't want to condemn us. I want to challenge us. In order for us to be yielded to the Spirit and be effective, we're going to have to spend time with him. Strategy comes from God, but we are the ones that execute that strategy. Uh, go tell uh, Moses, go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Why didn't God go do that? Why didn't God just appear to, to Pharaoh and say, hey, I'm Jehovah, it's over, let my people go? He's God. But see, he set the standard in the earth and put the principles and laws in place to which man governs the earth. And the way that God gets in the situation or in the mix is by way of the permission of the soul, of the man or the woman that invites God in through prayer. And that's how God does it. And then we carry out the commands and the obedience and we execute the job. So he says, Moses, obey what I'm telling you to do. You go and tell Pharaoh, let my people go, and I'll be with you. I want a new job. Not if you're not preparing for a new job. I want a new car. Not if you don't take care of the car you got now. Amen. I want a new wife. No. You take care of the wife you got now? And guess what? She'll be brand new for you. I promise you. I promise you. Am I right about that? She's just mad and mean all the time and just nag, 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 nag. I promise you, if you can get something some, in men, if you can get something in your spirit that says, I'm, I'm going to overlook all that. And get something in your spirit that says, I'm going to overlook all that. I'm going to be patient and kind, and I'm going to love her anyways. I promise you it's what she's always dreamed for you. She might, it might take her a minute because she don't trust you right now. But you can do that for a while. I promise men, and I put it on the men because men are the head of their household. If you will love her in that way, I promise you that situation will begin to subside and change. And you'll have the wife you always wanted. Well, I'll tell you right now, when I'll get old at home. I'm going to trade you in for 220s. When you get 40, I'm going to trade you in for 220. You can't even handle the 40-year-old you got now. What makes you think you're going to handle two 20-year-olds? What's wrong with you? Amen. I'm going to preach. Amen. I'm going to preach and tell the truth and shame the devil. Hallelujah. Am I right? We get crazy like that. See, if we just take care of what we have, God says, he said he makes the promise to us that if we're faithful what is least, he'll give us even more. But he expects you to carry out the command. Strategy comes from heaven. You're the one that executes it. Um, here's, here's another way we see this. Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30. God says, so I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me. Because Israel was a wreck and the wall was down and the enemy had overcome them. And stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land. Watch this. That I should not destroy it. But I found no one. Therefore, destruction came to Israel. So God was looking for someone, watch this, who will give him permission to work through them to execute his commands in the earth and to build him a wall and stand in the gap. But he found no one who was willing to take on that task. God looked for someone to pray 
He looked for someone to build up the wall or to build up a hedge. Job 1.6, now there was a day when the sons of, of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? So Satan answered and said, Lord, said the Lord, uh, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? And there is none like him on the earth and blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. So Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him? and around his household, and around all that he has at every side. You bless the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. Of course I've considered Job. That's what Satan was saying. But I couldn't touch him because there was a hedge around him. You put the hedge around him. But the Bible goes on to explain that the hedge was a result. God put the hedge around him spiritually so Satan could attack him. But it was a direct result because every single day, Job got up and offered to God an offering and prayed. Don't you see it? And that's how the wall was built around him so the enemy couldn't come in. The hedge comes through prayer and it brings protection. Ecclesiastes 10, 8, and almost done. He who digs a pit will fall into it. And whoever breaks through a wall or a hedge will be bitten by a serpent. That's why we need the hedge. The devil comes to bite. Uh, Proverbs 24, 30, I went by the field of the lazy man. Uh-oh. The one who will not do what God says. And by the vineyard of the man devoid of understanding. And there it was all overgrown with thorns. Its surface was covered with needles. Its stone wall was broken down. When I saw it, I considered it well. I looked on it, received instruction, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. So shall your poverty come like a prowler and your need like an armed man. That's when the devil comes and says, stick him up and you've got to give him everything you got. That's when the devil comes and says, I- I'm going I'm to go ahead and take over here. And you ain't got a choice because you allowed him in. You, you broke, the security wall was broken down because of your prayer life. Laziness will set into a Christian's life and they'll just think, yeah, I'll get to it. I want to get to it. I want to get to it. And you don't recognize or realize you're a sitting target for the enemy then. But if you begin to pray, God has permission to walk in your life. Begin to establish a wall, which I believe are angels. I believe that wall is an angel protection around you. And the more you pray, especially the word of God, the angels come and do the bidding of the word of the Lord. Amen, somebody. So you get more supernatural help, more help from angels. And so we cannot be like that this year, guys. We want our prayer to be made alive, not dead. We don't need dead prayers. We need prayers that are alive. Somebody say amen.